Thanks so much for joining us for the latest episode of Taking the Complex and Making It Simple, the Merlin Wealth Management Educational Podcast. Join us as Michael Merlin, founder of Merlin Wealth Management, and various friends and experts break down complicated financial topics to make them easy to understand. If you'd like more information about Merlin Wealth Management, please visit our website at rcm.rocco.com forward slash Merlin. And with that, here's founder of Merlin Wealth Management and private wealth advisor at Rockefeller Capital Management, Michael Merlin. Welcome, everyone, uh, to the latest uh, podcast uh, edition of Taking the Complex and Making It Simple, the Merlin Wealth Management Educational Podcast. Uh, today, our, our topic of conversation is really the, the rising rate environment and its impact on borrowing and lending uh, money, clearly a topic we've been talking a lot about with clients. Obviously, we've all felt the effects of the rising rate environment in our investment portfolios over the course of the last 12 months, but there's been an equally impactful change to borrowers and lenders. You clearly, if you're a borrower of funds, you have a line of credit, you have a mortgage that may be adjustable. Um, you've noticed that over the last year, you know, those interest payments have gotten a lot bigger, right? That that line of credit rate's gone from maybe something in the 1% range to something in the 5% range. And a lot of uh, a lot of clients and a lot of, of a lot of sophisticated individuals are, are, I don't want to say scratching their heads because it's not unclear what happened, but a lot of people are having to, to, to shift or riff or, or, or be flexible um, because it happens so fast. I think that I, I think all of us are aware, you know, whether we borrow money or not on a regular basis, that if you have a floating rate, that rate can go both down and up. And I think everybody knew that with rates at zero, uh, eventually those rates were going to have to go higher, but I don't know that anybody expected them to go as high as quickly as they did over the course of really nine months of 2022. So to help us make sense of that environment, I'm really excited to be joined today by a good friend, Mike Brakey. Um, Mike is uh, the head of strategic client solutions for Rockefeller Capital Management, which includes credit, banking, and insurance and other annuity products. Um, but today, obviously, our focus is on the credit and the banking piece. Um, I've known Mike for a long time. We worked together at Morgan Stanley for many years, where he also um, ran the high net worth lending and private banking group. Um, and then prior to that, Mike worked for 17 years at Merrill Lynch uh, and also obviously Bank America Merrill Lynch, where again, he was uh, head of global wealth credit strategy and investment lending. So uh, really excited to have you here today, Mike. Thanks for being here. Michael, thanks so much for having me. Excited to be um, to, to join you today on your podcast and frankly, credit to you for digging into a breadth of important topics. And this one today is exciting to me, but it's certainly interesting probably for everybody. The lending environment is certainly one that is very much in flux today as people and frankly, the Fed try to discern what is to come. Um, in this environment, especially access to liquidity is critical and those with liquidity can avoid bad events. Uh, but as you know, well, also take advantage of financial opportunities. The, the, cost of, the cost of debt is definitely higher. Lenders are definitely reassessing underwriting standards, but it does differ by lending product, differs by asset class. Um, but it's also important to note as we go through this, lenders were tightening up um, underwriting requirements over the last couple of years Anyway, um, witness jumbo mortgage loan to values as an example, but 
And, and the loan portfolio has been performing extremely well the last number of years. Sure. So, so let, I mean, let's dig in right there, actually. That's a great place to start. Um, we'll obviously get to the borrower side of the equation because certainly we have a lot of people on this call who are who are borrowers of funds. But I want to start with the lenders. Um, I, we, we all we all understand clearly what the impact of rising rates has been on the borrower. But let's let, let's spend some some time on the lender. You just mentioned that lenders were already reassessing credit risk and leverage in their portfolios, et cetera. Um, can you talk a little bit more about that? And then also, um, based on the current environment, has that accelerated? And then I guess the second part of that question for for the um, you know, for those who are maybe in the market for loans at this point, whether those are commercial, business, or residential, are you seeing a meaningful are, are lenders seeing a meaningful decline in demand based on the the, the rising rate environment? So big picture first, and then I'll I'll tackle the demand issue. Um, it, it depends on the type of borrower, so um, that drives demand. But big picture, the lenders have been whipsawed, maybe an overstatement, but certainly uh, um, concerned by the rapid acceleration in the Fed funds rate that you've already pointed out, Michael. And as a result of that, their ability to make money has been turned on its head. Um, so making good loans is important. The way you fund those loans is also important. Cost to the bank has gone up. Um, when you have longer term loan products on your balance sheet, you're not necessarily resetting rates as quickly. The ones that do reset more quickly, business loans, for example, um, are much more profitable than perhaps a mortgage loan you would have made two years ago at a two and a half percent fixed rate for 30 years. Um, and banks are trying to absorb some of that. But as I noted, credit quality has been quite good some slippage among some products more recently, credit cards you see, auto loans perhaps, delinquencies are up, but um, but those tend to reflect, you know, some stress in parts of the market. Demand, and, and really demand is, it, it, it depends by product, business loan demand is still robust. Businesses need to grow, quite frankly, as we've seen Many businesses have done pretty well over the last 18 months or so. They're trying to hire, they're trying to grow. Um, residential mortgage loans, conversely, have dropped off a cliff in terms of demand. It's the lowest in 30 years. Um, just year over year, mortgage demand is almost 50% lower. So um, significant diminution in it. Uh, there was a earnings report by Loan Depot yesterday, which is sort of a mortgage wholesaler, if you will, revenues off 70% uh, year over year on a quarterly basis. So really adversely impactful to a lot of those lenders. And, and essentially refinance volume, which used to be pretty robust, is non-existent. And if you've originated a loan in the last decade, unless you have an arm, coming due, or if you have a life-changing situation, divorce, you have to move, um, some unfortunate things like that, it's really limiting what people are doing in terms of the demand and refinance. Um, yeah. 
And frankly, Michael, 40% of the new home market is kicking off right now. It's sort of that spring session. Mm. So in 60 to 90 days, there'll be a shakeout. We'll have a real good sense of what's going on. Yeah, I know, I know here in Atlanta, you know, we've seen house prices plummet, uh, I think down, you know, 30 to 40% in a lot of areas. And uh, again, you know, I, I think, uh, which leads sort of to the to the to the other side of the of the coin, right? Which is the borrower. You know, the borrower sitting there watching all of this happen, right? So, you know, you've got a new borrower, right? Someone who might be in the market for a house, whether it's their first house or, as you said, they have a life changing event, they need to to move for whatever the reason. Um, you know, and they're they're staring in the face at seven percent mortgage rates. You know, for a thirty year fixed mortgage, clearly the ARM products are attract more much more attractive, but. You know, I, I remember vividly back to, to other housing crises we've all lived through, right? Whether that was during uh, the dot-com bubble or whether it was during the financial crisis. And, you know, we watched borrowers walk, step away and we watched housing prices fall. And then, you know, sure enough, prices got low enough where uh, you didn't really care whether you were, you were coming into a 5% mortgage or 6% mortgage or a 7% mortgage. The prices just got to a point where, you know, the, the borrowers were going to act you know, based on on opportunity more than anything. So, do you, do you sort of see that happening again in this environment? I don't, I don't know that that it's anything different than that. Yeah, I do. I think you're right. the 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 dynamics of the cycles don't change ultimately, and I think we're seeing one now. What is interesting and maybe a new element, and it's a positive element for many people. Most people refinanced in the last several years, if not longer. And they went longer on their home mortgages. So a lot more 30-year, 10-year, 15-year fixed rates. Again, in the twos, maybe the threes on the high end. So the likelihood of them wanting to sell the house they're living in with a mortgage rate that low is reduced. Yeah. So your supply is going to be diminished but there will be people who need to sell again arms that are coming due, or maybe some of the, you know, the demand destruction the Fed is trying to create impacts people. Unfortunately, they have to sell a home. There will be opportunity to purchase at lower rates uh, or lower prices, and the people who have liquidity and the ability to borrow will will be the ones that are advantaged by that environment. Sure. So, so when you look at mortgages in today's world. Um, I'm assuming, and again, you know, please correct me where I'm wrong, but I I'm assuming you're seeing more arms than fixed in this environment, just based on lower rate. You know, those who are biting it off at this point would probably be looking at an arm versus a fixed. Some people, yeah. I think, think that rates are going to be lower in two years, and so you know, maybe that gives them an opportunity to refinance or whatever the case may be. Are we seeing? Are, are we seeing any changes in down payments? Are we seeing larger or smaller to kind of reduce loan size? Our, our lender is, is the selection of lender, you know, more of an issue now that, you know, as you said earlier, the, you know, the, the lenders are recalibrating sort of how they're they're facing the market and then has time to close the loans changed in any significant way. Sure. There's a lot in there. I think let me let me try to take them um, uh, roughly in order. The you're, today, people are selecting the five or seven year fixed to floating option. So unlike in maybe 10, 15 years ago, Michael, where you and I would have seen a lot of the six month reset, 
sort of arm loans or one month resets. You really don't see those today, nor would I recommend them with short-term rates likely to continue to increase. But most people do have a view, um, the market, treasury market has a view that rates will be lower in a few years time. So you're far more likely to take a five-year fixed rate, take the risk it goes floating in year six with the assumption that, again, the Fed will have a destructive impact on the economy and rates, long-term rates, refinance rates would be lower at that time. Um, I do think rates will decline more slowly than we would have anticipated. And it's important to note in the in the mortgage market, especially while people tend to use the 10-year treasury as a proxy, it really can be a wide, widely volatile range based on the volatility in treasury rates. For example, this week alone, two-year treasury has been up 30 basis points mm -hmm. and today down 25. Sure. Uh, so you're not going to get the down 25 rate if you priced a mortgage today. You probably won't get that for quite a while because it's so volatile. People don't, the market doesn't know where things are going. Sure. Um, so definitely take an interim step is what we're seeing five year, seven year relative to a year and a half ago when everyone was picking a 30 year rate because goodness, that two and a half percent money for 30 years. Why not? Um, so very different environment today. So so let's let's turn our attention to our uh, to our Merlin Wealth Management Rockefeller Capital Management clients that um, have been very intelligent with their borrowing and have used secured based lend secured securities based lending or you know other kind of collateralized floating rate loans. Uh, obviously, those rates have gone. You know, when, when we um, you know when we joined Rockefeller in 2020. You know, I remember talking to you and you know, we were pricing loans and they were coming out at 1.6%, 1.75%, 2.2%, unbelievable rates. And now those loans today are probably in the mid to high fives to low sixes. Um, is there anything that we're, that, that we, that we should be telling our clients other than, hey, look, you know, we're, the good news is we didn't borrow too much. We're wildly over collateralized, so we don't have to worry about margin calls or or anything along those lines. Um, you know, I, I know in 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 history, uh, maybe in our old in our old world, we we talked about it in a similar rising rate environment, taking a, a, a securities based loan from floating to a fixed rate. Um, you know, to me that seems probably a little bit drastic in this environment, considering what you said about you know, rates probably dropping uh, sometime soon. You know, in the next several years. Um, is there anything that you're seeing people do in reaction to the to the rapid rise in rates in that in that particular environment? So uh, a few things here, and and you're right, Michael. The the securities-based loans have been sort of the Swiss Army knife for wealthy clients. They can use them in so many different ways. It gives them liquidity they can access without having to sell, take a taxable gain, mistime the market. It, they make a ton of sense. And they're priced typically on a floating rate basis based on a published index by the Fed. So if we take Fed funds as a proxy, um, in 2020, as you note, Fed funds was seven basis points. Right. Today it's 457. 
because the Fed has moved 450 basis points. And frankly, by the end of next week, likely to be certainly 25, if not 50 more. Right. So short-term rates are going up. The anticipation is terminal rate now is 5.5% Fed funds. Maybe even it's a little higher, meaning the peak rate. And then maybe a slow decline from there. The it it is the ability to fix it now isn't clear. The the rationale to fix it now isn't right. clear. I think is the way to probably put that. Um, if you fix a rate in most securities-based loan situations, the client ends up with a prepayment penalty to the extent rates decline. Mm -hmm. uh, unlike a mortgage, where you can book a five-year rate today and if it improves a lot in a year, refinance. Um, in a, in a securities-based fixed rate, you might have a prepayment penalty as rates go down. And frankly, the market is in, in, in the term, you know, five and seven year sort of term, so volatile, there's extra spread in trying to get a good fixed rate quote. So um, sometimes for larger amounts of borrowing, a swap can be helpful, an interest rate swap, where the client may have, would have a prepayment penalty, but they also get the benefit if rates go up. So yeah. they get their two sides of it. Um, not to get, you know, you can look at out on the forward swap market too and see, hey, a 10-year rate, if I fixed it in six months, could be a lot cheaper than a 10-year rate today. Those are options, but they're really for, you know, very specific and limited situations in the marketplace. Right now, the key is, is the borrowing that you're doing resulting in an investment in something that's going to yield more than your cost? So, and a lot of people feel like businesses or real estate because they know it well, they're confident in it, it will. But to the extent that the borrowing is consumption-based, you know, as you say, dialing it down can be helpful. Yeah, so so net-net, stay over collateralized, use cash if you're consuming. If you've got an investment that's yep. going to yield you significantly more than the borrowing cost, then sure, because that spread, that spread opportunity makes sense. But otherwise, kind of, Tighten it up a bit, which is That's, which is which is precisely what we've been telling clients now for the past you know twelve months. Exactly right, absolutely. So I, you know, I loved your analogy of the of the of the securities based loan to the Swiss Army knife, and you know, and we've seen that we've seen the utilization broad based across you know our 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 family of clients. Um, you know, one area where we haven't we've we've used it, but not as much is on either the business lending or commercial lending side um, because again with rates as low as they've been it's been much it's been equally as good you know I'm a, I'm a big believer that collateral and and loan should match right so if i'm yeah. going to buy if i'm going to buy an apartment building i should put the loan against that not against my liquid securities because then all of a sudden, if something happens with the apartment building i can't easily get to liquidity because my liquidity is now collateralizing the loan and where rates were very equal, right? So, okay, maybe it was 250, as you said, to get fixed rate pricing on a loan to, you know, to buy the office, to buy the apartment building. And mm -hmm. it was 165 on a floating rate with their SBL wasn't enough to make that trade off where you were 
compromising your liquid versus illiquid. Is that still the case today, or, or is there, or, or is there, is there now more more of a hesitation to be using traditional commercial lending or business lending? Are they are they are, are people looking for alternative ways to fund their business or fund a big commercial real estate project? I n no, except in certain parts of the market. So. Uh, um, I, I think the reality is here is where the bank environment may start having some adverse impact on certain types of products. So let's take an easy one here. If you're an investor in office buildings, um, the banks are dramatically more concerned today and are going to underwrite in a much more punitive fashion assume a much higher cap rate, assume much lower lease renewal. And so if you were able to borrow $80 a year ago, maybe that's 50 or 60 today. So it's not a good time to have your loan up for renewal in the next foreseeable future. And the key, I think the banks, to the extent they renew, really tighten the screws and try to get it out the other side, maybe two, three years down the road. The other products will be punished, but not as badly in underwriting. So if, if a multifamily loan was a three or a three and a half cap type loan, um, it's maybe four and a half, five now. Um, and so it'll be harder to get the same loan dollars but not as punitive as in the office space. And the business space, look, I this inflation is insidious and it hasn't manifested through a lot of the P&Ls of businesses yet. But the more your costs go up, the more your wages go up, and to the extent your revenues aren't as flexible, banks know that your net income is gonna decline. Right. Your ability to repay is gonna decline so they'll be they'll start to become more um, strict as they underwrite. And what will happen is in some parts of the market, some industries, some commercial real estate property types, far less dollars available from a bank on a traditional loan. Again, you should maximum. I agree with your premise a hundred percent. You should match the asset and the and the debt. But that, those deltas, you may have to find that difference in loan amount. You may have to find somewhere else. Yeah, interesting. So you know, I, I don't, I don't think we can, I don't think we can, um, we could not spend some time today talking about. Um, obviously, we've been talking about a change in the in the banking and lending market over the last twelve months, but we've actually seen a huge change in the market in the last day. Um, with uh, with what's going on with Silicon Valley Bank, uh, we've seen it you know, almost. It, it looks almost like a traditional run on a bank, uh, you know, which we which we haven't seen in a while. And and you know, one of the things that uh, obviously uh, brings back some PTSD from you know the financial crisis in 08 and 09. So um, obviously, the the things you and I talked about today and and our you know and, and the comments we wanted to to get to our our, our listeners was really more around. You know how people should be navigating the lending environment. You know from a you know from a from an individual standpoint. But I'd, I'd I'd love to talk a few minutes about what's gone on today and yesterday 
and you know kind of your views on how that's in that how that might impact the things we talked about today and others going forward after this event now you know has now taken place yeah it's a it is um it's a great point to raise michael and and while i think our discussion around the borrowers and strategies is probably relevant it certainly is a different environment for some if not more banks today uh, we talked about upfront liquidity is really important it's especially important in bad environments and you can see the the impact of diminished liquidity on a firm as large as silicon valley bank as an example the 18th largest bank in the country up till 48 hours ago 24 hours ago um and was taken over by the fdic just just hours ago minutes ago so that's a liquidity problem depositors rushing out not the flexibility in the balance sheet so further underscores what our clients need to do to make sure they've got the right level of debt and Absolutely. and and around it but there's no doubt that some banks it's much more idiosyncratic i think unless panic ensues but there are a few banks like this one that were overexposed to certain industries, larger deposit levels, as opposed to more retail or broad base of depositors. Maybe their, their assets were mismatched from a duration standpoint. Again, contrary to your advice to the clients, match your debt and liabilities or debt and assets. Some banks wanted to pick up an extra little bit and maybe got caught out. Sure. Um, so I think it will, in the old Warren Buffett phrase, I think the tide has gone out and you can see a few banks out there that may not have been quite prepared, but I certainly don't think it is a broad-based issue. Sure. Um, and hopefully it flushes out pretty quickly here. Sure. I would agree with you. And you know, we, we don't, we don't believe as well that it is a it's a broad-based issue you know we've commented many times and i think it's widely documented that you know, the u.s banking system on on the whole is extremely healthy extremely liquid uh and and certainly in a, in a position to defend itself against all kinds of shocks recession or otherwise that are that are slated or at least projected to come at the market you know J jamie diamond is always extremely vocal about these things said that you know JP Morgan is a fortress basically that they you know, they can withstand anything kind of coming out I mean part of it is exactly what you said right you know Silicon Valley boiled down to an issue where they had a very specific de uh, deposit base uh, a lot of folks in the venture capital world or a lot of folks with businesses that were funded by venture capital and those venture capitalists were telling their businesses hey we're not borrowing any more money. So if you're going to run for the next 12 months or 18 months, you're going to have to use cash. And so that cash is leaking out the door on one end. On the other end, all the investments they had made with that money were all very long duration bonds that had all taken a hit with interest rates going up. So there was, you know, maybe some bad risk management there as far as the investment portfolio, but a very specific bar, uh, depositor market where you know, the, the the vast majority of that market was in a position of drawing cash. You know, clearly that is not the case for a bank like a JP Morgan, for example, that has an incredibly diversified depositor base and an incredibly diversified uh, investment portfolio where it's not going to be, you know, subjected to that same very narrow uh, condition. 
there may be some others out there, like you said, the, the, you know, the tide's gone out, you may see who's exposed, um, and there may be a few others, but I, I certainly don't think it's endemic of, you know, of a bigger issue with the U.S. banking system. If anything, right. you know, again, putting my, putting my investment hat on for just a second, if anything, you know, if, if it does get out of hand, it could create some incredibly interesting opportunities and some high quality banks that you know, we've stayed away from uh, in general because of, of price and, 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 and what, we, what we thought might happen from this type of Fed uh, policy. But you know, th those, those opportunities may come our way. Um, the, the other thing I think is super interesting is you know, in looking back at history, um, and as, as our clients know, we, 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 um, we are very connected to the folks at ISI, um, Ed Hyman, who does a great macro uh, piece uh, all the, uh, every day, but 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 on on the whole, very 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 good macro work. And you know, they pointed out they've been pointing out recently that that while everyone's calling for a shift in Fed policy, and you know you hear people screaming from the rafters, whether they're academics or they're in the investment world, saying you've done enough, your rate increases have not gotten fully into the market, they haven't been completely absorbed by consumers or by businesses, and so give it a rest and let it kind of work its way through before you keep raising and raising and raising. What what ISI points out, which again, ISI is more like, you mentioned Warren Buffett before, Warren Buffett's uh, mentor, Benjamin Graham, who said, just focus on the data. ISI looks mostly at the data, and the data shows that that in order for the Fed to shift policy from rising rates to, some, to, to more accommodating, there has to be some kind of a significant event. And whether that's events a recession, whether that event is a war, whether that event is something like this, potentially a, a banking crisis, um, there is some sort of event that is what caused it. Not just them deciding, hey, inflation's looking okay, we're going to stop. In a lot of the last, I think in the last eight situations they talked about rising rate environments, um, there was some sort of shock that occurred that shifted policy. So could this be it? Maybe, right? But uh, but but I do think it's interesting for us to follow and also again. Uh, you know, from a from a investment standpoint, sort of see if there is stock run over into some of the bigger companies or the higher quality banks. You know, that could ultimately be an opportunity. Absolutely, I agree with your your thesis. Absolutely, and it could well be the Fed takes this as a bit of a canary in the coal mine. You can only squeeze so hard so fast. That's right, and 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 you know, I, I think you're right. I think with 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 labor with labor markets maybe not reacting the way they wanted and. And the numbers sort of looking some days dovish and some days not so dovish. Maybe they were on the fence, but when you start to see uh, incredibly important institutions to the functioning of our of our of our business and consumer society starting to really take it on the chin, you know, you mentioned Loan Depot before. I mean, that's again, you know, another consumer facing business that's revenues down seventy percent. I mean, these these are not small numbers. So if the Fed right. is looking for breakage, if they're looking for impact. Clearly, these are impacts. You know, uh, the 18th largest bank being taken over by the FDIC in over a over a 36-hour period is clearly a significant event. And so, you know, canary in the coal mine, I think for sure. So, uh, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see if that accelerates any of the things we've been talking about today. But Mike, I really appreciate you taking the time to come on. Um, I think we've we've really kind of hit on a lot of great points today for our listeners, for our clients who are borrowing or thinking about borrowing. Uh, and uh, and uh, really really appreciate you, you taking the time and hopefully we'll have you on again on a future episode where we're talking about a lower rate environment and something that's right and, not, and not nothing crazy in the yeah. uh, space but it's been my pleasure Michael thank you best to best to you and everyone on the on the podcast.
Thanks so much. Uh, thanks for listening out there. We, we always appreciate um, your interest and, att and attention. And obviously, if you have any additional questions, please reach out to the Merlin Wealth Management team. Uh, we, we always love to hear from, from our clients and friends and, and, and colleagues. So thanks again. Thanks again for listening to this episode of Taking the Complex and Making It Simple, the Merlin Wealth Management Educational Podcast. For more information on Merlin Wealth Management, please visit our website at rcm.rocco.com forward slash Merlin. Please stay tuned for an important legal disclaimer. This recording is provided for informational purposes only and is not an offer to buy or sell or solicitation of an offer to buy or sell any security or to participate in any investment strategy and should not be interpreted to constitute a recommendation with respect to any security or investment plan. The views and opinions expressed are solely those of the presenters as of the date of this recording may not be current and are subject to change and are general in nature. Rockefeller Capital Management has no obligation to provide any updates or changes. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are not necessarily those of Rockefeller Capital Management and may differ from the views and opinions of other departments or divisions of Rockefeller Capital Management and its affiliates. Rockefeller Capital Management is not providing any financial, economic, legal, accounting, or tax advice or recommendations in this podcast. The information is not individualized. You should review any planned financial transactions or arrangement that may have tax, accounting, or legal implications with your personal professional advisors. Rockefeller Capital Management does not guarantee the accuracy or reliability of the information provided in this podcast, and any liability, therefore, including in respect of direct, indirect, or consequential loss or damage, is expressly disclaimed. No investment strategy can guarantee profit or protection from loss. Future results may vary substantially from past performance. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. This recording may not be copied, reproduced, or distributed in whole or in part for any purpose without prior written consent. Rockefeller Capital Management is the marketing name of Rockefeller Capital Management LP and its affiliates. Merlin Wealth Management is part of Rockefeller Financial LLC, a broker-dealer and investment advisor duly registered with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission, Member Financial Industry Regulatory Authority, and Securities Investor Protection Corporation. The registrations and memberships mentioned in no way imply the SEC has endorsed the entities, products, or services discussed herein. Additional information is available upon request.